Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to tonight's edition of Students for a Better Future Radio. I'm your host, Doreen Senko, with Ruben Torres, and we are live. Once again, welcome to tonight's edition to Students for Better Future Radio. And, folks, another great show tonight. Um, We have a great guest. We're going to be hearing from a student from William Patterson College. We're going to be talking about immigration and also the Paris bombings. We're going to give you the update on that. Um, But before we go to that, I do want to mention the show is sponsored by the nonprofit 501c3, studentsforbetterfuture.com. Your generous donations keep us going, and we'd like to thank everybody who has donated in the past um, for your uh, contribution. And again, the website is studentsforabetterfuture.com. And also, I want to mention the essay contest again um, for students wishing to enter into the essay contest. Go to the main site. That's studentsforabetterfuture.com backslash register, and you can register there. Um, And also our sponsors can uh, still continue to uh, sponsor a student, and the sponsoring link is different. Um, It's it's actually at gofundme.com backslash tipping point, gofundme.com backslash tipping point. And I know, folks, there's a lot of things to remember, but we'll have it up on the website. And um, Ruben, another week down. Well, another week another week that really uh, had a lot of uh, big impact on me. It basically said to me that, that what we have right now is a situation in the world where no one really is taking uh, – responsibility for what ha- what's been happening. We had an incident in, in January where uh, a magazine that portrayed uh, Allah, uh, the Muhammad, the Prophet Muhammad, in, in a very negative way, it was an excuse to kill uh, too many people at the magazine in Paris. And now, last Friday, we had another incident where these jihadists went ahead and killed almost 130 people, injured about 200. And what do we get? More Syrian refugees, more more from the Middle East. And people say, well, we, we need to take them. We need to take them because that's, that's, that's the, that's the humanita- humanitarian way that we as Americans should conduct ourselves and the world should bow to and take them all. Well, what, what's going on? How come the Middle East countries are not doing anything about it? They have a lot of money. You have Saudi Arabia. You have Kuwait. You have uh, the United Arab Emirates. You have Bahrain, Dubai. None of them are taking them. So, right. fellow Americans, um, what we need to understand, what we need to know, we, we, need, we need to wake up and realize that they're pushing all these people on us while we have veterans that are sleeping on the street, are not being taken care of. Then we have senior citizens that are not getting an increase in Social Security, but then we have, we're inviting more people into this country that we don't know who they are. Right. And, uh, folks, I want to just um, remind us uh, what happened on Friday, uh, on the evening of the 13th of November um, in, in, of this year. It was a series of coordinated terrorist attacks um, hold on, folks. We're getting some static here. Um, it was a series of te- uh, terrorist attacks um, that occurred in Paris and um, in the northern suburb, to uh, be specific, St. Saint- Denis, um, beginning at around 9 p.m. And th- there were three suicide bombings outside the stadium, along with mass shootings and other suicide bombings at four locations near central Paris. And the deadliest attack was at the Vatican 
uh, if I say it right, um, Vatican Theater, where attackers took hostages before engaging in a standoff with the police um, and on November 14th. And who took responsibility for it was the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant. And um, the, um, uh, they uh, took responsibility for it. And then President Francios Holland stated that he considered the attack to be an act of war carried out by ISIL uh, and planned in Syria, organized in Belgium, and perpetrated on his soil with French complicity. And um, he had also gone on to state that um, the attacks did kill 129 people, 89 of whom were at the Vatican Theater. 433 people were admitted to the hospital with injuries, and including 80 who was critically injured. Um, and since then, France, um, besides declaring a state of emergency and whatnot, they have gone in and bombed Syria. Um, and I'm going to bring our guest on. Um, uh, hi, Deb. Can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. I've just been listening intently uh, on what you guys have been saying. And even though I, I have to say it is a delicate topic when it concerns being a humanitarian, uh, like Ruben had said, um, I, I want to focus on the fact that it is a delicate topic because you're basically, and it's funny because this, this conversation came up in my uh, my class this evening for comparative politics, and it was actually a heated debate. I mean, um, I had made, you know, uh, an observation, you know, based on basically the repetition of, you know, historically, um, our nation, you know, um, World War II, like uh, with what happened with not one but two nuclear weapons, you know, on you know, two cities in Japan, which ultimately basically halted uh, World War II and showed, you know, Hitler and, and his allies that, you know, that the U.S. was not to, was a force not to be reckoned with. So naturally that, that brought on a heated discussion, but it is a very delicate topic because where does it stop? Can you crucify um, an entire culture, an entire uh, religion for the sake of a few radicals, you know, a minimal amount of what's going on. But then you have to go back to the history of it and what some of the teachings are in the Quran. And, and then you have to think about how these people in France, in the outer city, because for us it would be like the inner city, like the suburb, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, urban areas. And you have to say, okay, well, a lot of the times the French have really kind of ghettoized these people and, you know, is that, could, could that possibly be a reason why they're harboring some hatred? And then you want to also say that they think basically like what Boko Haram stands for is Western culture is bad, it's evil. You know, because you have, like in the words of my professor, a naked face and your head is exposed. You know, like, I mean, you go to countries like Saudi Arabia where they're inviting, they want American tourism, but what's going on is uh, more tourism basically, in general, whether it be Europeans or Americans, and married couples that are used to showing affection in public are being jailed for just doing it because it's not part of their, their culture. And if you go to these Middle Eastern countries, irrespective of whether or not you're, you're Middle Eastern or Arab or not, you have to wear the hijab you, you have to, or, because the punishment is being stoned. So, I mean, I really feel stoned to death by your brother or your father. I mean, you know, the, the fact that these these cultures and what really what really bothers me as an American because I, I really enjoy my privileges, you know, why should I? You know, we have to be sensitive to everybody else, you know. And it's like, but how come our way of life isn't respected, you know? And why is that's, it that we have to right. like the and, world? And, and I, I, we I, have, I can I, agree, right? I couldn't agree further with you on that. Uh, you know, I have my two boys, and, you know, um, we go to the airport to travel. Um, my two boys, particularly my little one, was um, he was actually uh, he, he pulled over by security and, and searched, you know, and um, as if he was some kind of terrorist, and, and I thought it was a little excessive. And you're absolutely right on that. And I don't believe that we 
um, as in our culture, should have to bend over to that. You know. Well, and, I, I don't. Um, I don't understand. What, it's funny because when we when we back when we go into the shadows, as as the American government, uh, when speaking internationally about foreign aid, you know, we go back into the shadows. We descale uh, funding. That then it's like, well, where were you, America? And then each and every time, World War One, World War Two, it's well, how come you're not here? Why, why weren't you here to defend us? And every single time we've had to intercede. And right now, France asks for a joint, and, and, you know, the Obama administration is now saying, well, we're going to help France. And this is, as much as they're saying, well, this is not World War Three. well, Article 5 in the European mandate, they're asking for, because one attack, the attack on one European nation is an attack on them all. So, I mean, and it's just... I see a, a progression and a repetition that's that's really scary. You got you got to remember you got to remember something that most people may not know is that European countries that are part of the EU they're controlled by Brussels, Belgium. Brussels dictates to every European government how much money they can how, how much their budget is going to be, what they can do. There's no first amendment in 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 France. You cannot go against and criticize Muslims or anyone because they have anti oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a no-no. Yeah, it's a no-no. Okay, so so basically, most of the, most of the people in Europe, in most European countries, do not have any rights. They don't even have rights to have a gun. They cannot protect themselves against uh, these people. Uh, so basically, they're dictated by Brussels. I know that, that that's something that may be a surprise to a lot of people, but that's that's the reality. Right, right. But they also have a, very, a big form of protectionism in the sense that when they're conducting census, they're not allowed to ask them if they're Muslim. You know what I mean? Like here, it's, you know, it's kind of you, it's optional whether or not you can answer to certain racial questions, but they still get asked, and it's entirely up to you whether or not you're going to answer them. You know? So, I mean, and the vetting process, like, now that we're going to move on when you, with what Ruben said as far as, you know, why is it that we always have to intercede? Why is it that we always have to, like, take everybody in? I, I mean, I understand that the federal government's policy uh, regarding the Syrian refugees is the federal government trumps the state. And essentially these states like uh, Michigan and um, Alabama, I believe Georgia, Florida, I think it's about 31 states are now saying that they don't want the Syrian refugees. It's a it's a very big concern. It's sad because you're you're just throwing everybody into a big pile. But where do you make you know in the vetting process? You're not going to stand up and say, oh yeah, by the way, I'm a fucking terrorist. Excuse me, I'm sorry for the for the curse word. But um, <laughs> you're not going to stand up and you're not going to stand up and say I'm a terrorist. You know, it's okay. Gonna, it's okay, Deborah. It's okay, Deborah. <laughs> It's, 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 just, you know, it's an excitable issue because you you really nobody's going to stand up and say, yeah, guess what? I I really don't agree with this, but I'm just trying to get in here. And who's to say that they're not going to be able to um, get in with the people that are that are being seen as traitors by the Islamic State? They're because essentially they're 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 abandoners. You know, they're they're not for the cause of what is being preached by ISIL. So, but unfortunately, well, you can. They're they're investigating now in France as to whether any of these were a part of the um, the new cell that has become the Islamic State. You know, right? Yeah. But yeah. What, what, one of the questions, one of the questions that needs to be asked uh, in America and in the rest of the world is, why are we, the United States of America, in the Obama administration, working with ISIS? to defeat Assad and the Russians, okay? Supposedly, ISIS is our enemy, but we're working together to get rid of Assad because we don't like them. Well, that, that is actually the reason why Obama jumped on a plane to Turkey and met with Putin recently is because now they're, they're, they're thinking about the possibility of reconsidering their strategy as far as taking down Assad. It's kind of like the enemy of my, of my enemy is my friend. So, I mean, and it's always yeah. been that way because who you want to blame, for example, you know, why you don't just go and bomb and people say, oh, well, it's millions of innocent people. Yeah, well, we've done it before. And the biggest reason, I believe, is because of OPEC. Americans like their cars, and they run on gasoline. 
So the reason why we haven't just gone instead of doing drone strikes and just nuked them is because we have assets. It comes down to money, you know, just like it did with al-Qaeda. Right now we're joining forces with al-Qaeda because now al-Qaeda is no longer our enemy. It is the enemy of our enemy. So let's – and the guy that was able to keep the Sunnis and the Shias in check is now deposed in debt. Because the biggest reason why you're having this problem with ISIL is because you had a bunch of military, military generals under the Iraqi regime with Saddam that now have mm. nothing better to do, and they're upset because they're saying, well, the U.S. came and Iraq is now a failed state. So they're saying, I mean, I've never been there, thank God, and nor would I choose to, you know, willingly go somewhere that, you know, is like a war zone. But, I mean, you have to take it into the, I'm not agreeing with them, but I'm able to take a neutral position and a step back and say, okay, so we said, America said we're going to go there during the Bush administration and say, hey, guys, we're, we're going to go into Iraq. Really, what did Iraq have to do with uh, 9-11? Because it was al-Qaeda. But we went into Iraq anyway. We deposed Saddam Hussein, which was the guy that kept the Shias and the Sunnis in check, which was very odd because I believe he was a Sunni. And, you know, I think the Shias had, a, you know, a larger you know, uh, population, and he was able to, to keep them at bay. And now you have a failed state that, obviously, they never liked the way, our way of life to begin with. And now we're infiltrating their society in, in, you know, with the disguise of democracy. You're, of course you're going to get a bunch of pissed off people. You're, you're, it's normal. It's a normal reaction. You know, do I think it's okay? But, but, but I, mean, I want to hold, hold you up for yeah, a minute. And Ruben, um, you too. I want to bring a case um, that happened here because you talked a little bit about culture. Um, and about the two cultures not being able to mix. Um, about a year ago, over here in West Orange, New Jersey, we had a boy. His name was Brendan Kevlin. Um, he was 20 years old. He he was coming back from um, the uh, University of Washington um, for the summer, and he had a uh, he was doing taking some classes at Seton Hall over here. And um, one night, it was about you know, uh, close to 1 a.m., he was at a stoplight over here in West Orange, New Jersey, and um, a fellow by the name of Ali Muhammad uh, gunned him down in cold blood. And not only did he gun him down in cold blood, he got into the car and took the car and ditched it at a um, at a, uh, uh, a local apartment building. Yeah, and um, and for the first month or so, uh, it was not called a jihadi attack um, be- because basically uh, the papers wanted to be sensitive to, to cultural issues. And maybe to a degree I can understand it, but eventually you have to call this stuff what it is. You know, and, well, I think, um, I think a lot of that, Doreen, has to do with the fact that uh, Americans, luckily, we live in a bubble, and we, meaning a very, are a very conservative bubble, and by that I mean we're very sheltered. And luckily, with the exception of, I'm not, I'm not downplaying it, but with the exception of a few uh, blips on American soil, um, not, not to minimize it, but we live in a pretty much overall secure, you know, nation. So obviously the response is going to be fear. So you don't want to label it right away what it is and call the spade the spade because you really, aside from being sensitive, I really feel that you're just going to get a lot of hatred and a lot of fear because people are going to be essentially afraid. Like, I mean, I remember, I remember this morning hearing on the news that, you know, all, all the governors, are, you know, across the nation are saying, you know, please go out and shop, you know, safely. I don't want, you know, they don't want you to not enjoy your holiday season. You know, because uh, they're really, comparatively speaking, we live in a very good nation that we don't have to look, you know, and worry of our neighbor. Pretty, you know, we don't live in a in a Hobbesian society, and we're going to enter a willing contract that, you know, because we're we're fearful of our own neighbor, you know, like basically we're we have our government, we have our officials, we have our military that's going to essentially protect our rights and protect that constitution, and that is really what essentially makes this country great. 
Well, I have to say that um, this whole process that we've seen from the Obama administration since the initial, what they called Arab Spring, that started in Tunisia, mm-hmm. basically defeating and, and, and removing the Tunisian leader and then moving on to Libya and then to Egypt because we didn't like Hosna Mubarak during the time that Mubarak was in power in Egypt. Egypt was a stable, somewhat stable country with good relationships with the state of Israel. And in Libya, we yes. had Gaddafi that for all his, how would I phrase it, uh, being a, a tyrant, he was still someone we can count to maintain and keep the terrorists within his country in check. So we removed them because we had special interests in the Libyan oil, and he was not going along with us. So that whole process of removing individuals that had control has left an open vacuum, a vacuum out there that has created all these groups that are have joined together and that we're working together now with them to, again, remove someone that is not of our liking, which is Bashar Assad, even though we worked with his father, Hafat Assad, for so many years. They've been in power for 40 years. So my point is this, that this whole ISIS situation and al-Qaeda stems from bad foreign policy management, thinking that removing these individuals I wouldn't really entirely blame it on the Obama administration. I really feel that he inherited this problem from the Bush administration. Because, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not discrediting what you're saying as far as the Arab Spring, but I really feel like this, it, it's almost like blaming the, the national deficit on the Obama administration or whoever's currently in. It doesn't matter if it was like a Clinton administration. This, it, it's, it's a problem that is, that has succeeded over time. It's not something that just appears. So, I mean, there's a lot to be said about, you know, and, I have, and I, I'm what they call, I guess, a hard dick. I, I, I'm big on government, but I'm also very big. I, I'm, I'm very skeptical of government as well. I, government is necessary, but I, I don't feel like it's really doing its job. But it, it's, if you want to, I, really, I always like to say, if you want to blame someone, blame Congress. Because, like, when we were going to talk about immigration reform, uh, Obama just finished trying to pass a, a new piece of reform that got struck down by Congress. I mean, and that's why I'm saying, like, yes, it's two totally different topics, but essentially what, what's going on is something that's inherited from the previous administration. Because, you know, now you have the failed state of Iraq, and Obama's just inheriting a bunch of pissed-off leaders, you know, and, you know, now you have these terrorist, these different terrorist organizations. Okay, uh, so, yeah. so let me let me let me let me just present you, Deborah. So, nine eleven occurred under Bush, right? Of so course. He, he he inherited that from Clinton because of Clinton's failed policies, and not. You're, you're talking about Africa. No, well, Africa during the Clinton administration, we had Tanzania, we had Africa, we had we had the, we also had. The 19 uh, before 9/11, we had another one. Uh, and English, you're thinking about Hotel That was like that was the preview. That was the preview to 9/11. So those incidents happened. Yeah, but if you want to talk about that, I mean, Bush went after his Bush went after Saddam when it was really Osama bin Laden that was the culprit behind 9/11 because he was going after a vengeance for his father. So really, the Clinton administration inherited it from the Bush administration from Desert Storm in Iraq because he took so it from his father. So basically, I feel like, basically, it's, I feel like it's snowballs. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. It's just snowballing. It's the snowball effect. 
of one administration to another, whether it be Democrat or Republican. Yeah, go ahead, Ruben. Well, I, I, I do uh, I do agree that that uh, it's been going from administration to administration, but this administration has actually allowed more to happen. Has has given the green light when when we have a president in an, uh, a Democratic uh, Party that does not come out and say radical terrorists, Islam. Islamic yeah, terrorists, when you have individuals, you didn't see that from Bush. Listen, Ruben, the only thing I'm going to agree with you on yeah. is I feel that a politician is a politician. And unfortunately, policy is always going to lead to some somebody getting upset. So whether it be a um, Republican or a Democrat, someone's going to get upset. You know, you're going to make enemies somewhere. But, I mean, unfortunately, I do still firmly believe that it, yeah, some things I don't agree with. Like, I honestly, as an American, am I a little paranoid about taking in 10,000 Syrian refugees? Yeah, I am, but that would be the fearful human nature side of me. But, you know, you can't pitch in people into one category and say, okay, well, they're all radicalists and they're all going to bomb us all. I mean, you, you really can't say that. But, of course, you know, there are some reservations, there are some fears, you know. But essentially, I do agree with you as far as the fact that he is a little laxed on, you know, foreign policy in some areas. But at the same time, I yes. mean, it was, it was the Obama administration that took down Osama bin Laden. You know, he and, and, um, and, and also recently took down some, you know, ISIL uh, threats. And, you know, just today, I think they were very successful in how they bombed, essentially how they get funded with, uh, with petroleum. Well, yes, I, and, I, but I, I, also, uh, guys, I want to go towards the the main one of the main issues um, that sort of coincides with the, with the Paris bombings and all that uh, is that the um, our country, particularly our country, um, we've always had the open door policy, um, and you know I'm the first to admit. I mean, my family's immigrants you know we've come from abroad yes yeah. oh and you know uh and and we've worked hard and and whatnot um so and my listeners know that i'm not really against immigration just the fact that we need to have it better organized and the laws on the books enforced and you know and we need to have a tighter control over the border so that we don't have these incidents, um, you know, and I do believe that France has the same policy. And um, so, you know, and, and the more you let in, the more bad stuff you let in and, you know, well, innocent people get hurt. Obviously, people are going to fall through the cracks and you should always say, let's tighten security, let's tighten, you know, uh, measures and how we vet people and all these things. And that's all great in theory, but all that costs money. And right now, I always go back to the economy. Right now, with the way things are, of course, things are going to be more lackadaisical, and, you know, that's where you're going to have a problem. I feel that Europe is far more lax than the United States, personally. I mean, I feel that that is why this happened. I mean, you just, Ruben brought it up before, Charlie Hebdo happened, what, a year ago? And, and January, 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 January of this year. Of this year, okay. Well, we're coming up on almost a year, and 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 look, it, now it's the Saudi and the Saad, you know, and and you know the Bataclan, and you know basically, um, I, I forget what it's referred to that that French district, you know, it was very, it was obviously very well planned, you know, and I just feel well, like for it to have happened in January and you to be surprised is just really, I, I think that that's uh, it's a little naive. Well, I, I, I've been in Paris. I, I, I've traveled there uh, on vacation and also for work. And uh, and I stayed near the uh, the Seine River, near Notre Dame. Um, and I uh, basically, when I was there, the last time I was there was in 2008. And the number of, uh, you see, the city of Paris is where the money is. The suburbs of Paris it's where the ghetto is. Yes. Where the poor people live. So I've never been, but I have a teacher that's like a French national, and he like loves it and tells us all about France. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't have any interest in going in any there anymore, any anytime soon there because oh, I don't. I, I, I see that that uh, Paris and France ha- has dr- dramatically changed, but I have to tell you that the city itself, as as beautiful uh, with the Eiffel Tower and the Louvre and all that, is a dirty city, and and the districts where the majority of the concentration of the Muslims live. It's not very pretty. It's well, not you're very not pretty. the first person that's told me that. I've heard that before. So I mean, I, mean, I, I don't know personally, but, but, but I have but, heard that. But, but the point that I'm trying to get at is in regards to that Europe. I gave it a new name. You're gonna like this, Doreen, and, and you're not. Like, uh-huh. I don't call it Europe anymore. I call it Eurabia. <laughs> I know, I've heard they have a very high Muslim population. I think it's like something like 6 million. Yes. But the, the that issue was it. That with was this it. is, yeah, the issue I want to bring up is when you have too much immigration, it kills off the host population and takes jobs from them. And and uh, that's the, you, you know, that it sort of, it's now you bowing to their customs. Basically, and, yeah. yeah. And and France has had a liberal door with immigration, you know, as well as the United States. Um, we do have some pockets of uh, uh, Muslim compounds over here, too, one of them being Islamburg, New York. Um, you know, and, and once they get enough people in their town or their vicinity, then then they like politicians and they make their own rules, you know, for wherever they live. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but if you go downtown Patterson, you can hear the prayer yeah. of call five times oh, yeah. a, a uh, day. All of South Patterson is completely, I think, uh, it's completely Arab almost. Yeah. I only know that because so, I, I, I worked out there and I go to Willie P. So, I mean, I, I do see it. Yeah. So it's, so the other way of fighting this would be the immigration policy. And I know everybody wants to look at that and say, you know, well, maybe no, they they just don't want to touch it. But in reality, maybe it's time that we all have to do that. You know what the worst part is? It, it almost makes you sound, um, when you start talking about really uh, – vetting and really taking a look and interviewing people. As far as the U.S. is concerned, I'm not going to talk about Europe, but as far as the U.S. is concerned, you're you're really treading on a very fine line, you know, as far as violating people's civil rights, you know. And, and it's almost like you're bending this little paper called the Constitution. And believe me, I'm, I'm only playing devil's advocate. I, I'm... From a personal perspective, is it? Am I fearful? Absolutely, you know. And do you want us that can be neutral? Absolutely, you want to give the benefit of the doubt. But you know, from a legal perspective, you want to say, okay, well, you really can't technically kind of do that. And unfortunately, that's what those are the types of measures that you're talking about because now it's getting it's it's getting dangerous. It's getting bad. And what are we going to do? Are we going to wait for it to happen here? And believe me, I'm the child of immigrants. I'm Hispanic, and it mm-hmm. almost makes me sound like a sellout to my own kind. But, you know, and I'm not saying that all Mexicans or all Hispanics are, are you know, drug dealers and rapists. There are very good people that worked very hard. But I feel that as far as the U.S. is concerned, it's no longer a melting pot. It's turned into a salad bowl, and nobody wants to assimilate to the American culture. One thing that the Germans the Polish people, the the Italians have on the Hispanics and a very good reason for the the moral uh, hatred, I guess, that they feel towards the new wave of immigrants is that they're not assimilating. You know, um, n- nobody's learning English. It's like this is like the only country that you can pretty much get it. I mean, I remember going to court many years ago with my sister, and it was in Paramus, New Jersey, and I remember that the, the court was cluttered with Everybody else, I mean, I feel like uh, English-speaking people were the minority. And the judge literally had a phone next to him and said, it was almost like, like a line. Like, okay, hi, do you speak English? 
No? Okay, what language do you speak? Spanish? Okay. Hi, do you speak English? Okay, no? What language do you speak? Uh, Arabic. Okay, hi, do you speak English? What language do you speak? Korean. And it's like, what happened to being proud? Being proud of coming here and, and, and adapting to the culture, and I really feel that that is the problem, that we have become a, a very liberal society that is almost, I remember when I went to school and, and you, you had prayer, and now that you're not allowed mm-hmm. prayer. You know, I remember I did the Pledge of Allegiance. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it, I feel like everything is just changing. The dynamic is just changing, and it's become acceptable. You know, yeah, I, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to differ with you, Deborah. Um, in regards to as uh, as as uh, Hispanic uh, Hispanic ancestry and and uh, immigrants, there's a difference between legal immigrants and what the left, the Democrats, always try to play and try to confuse people with illegal immigrants. Okay, I don't have a problem because my family came here legally. I do have a problem, and I don't consider them immigrants. I consider—I mean, I consider them illegal immigrants. Uh, with the ones who are crossing and overstaying and coming here with an HB1 visa, and again, overstaying. There is—I don't have—and and it's not that I'm going against my uh, people. I don't care no, if they're I from. I don't care if they're from. You know, they're not the only ones that I've said it on this program, and I've said it personally when I, when I ran for office in New Jersey, when I lived in New Jersey. Uh, I don't care if you're from India, from China, from anywhere in the world. You're here illegally. I'm not going to be happy. You know, that's that's how I look at it. I know. Well, I do have a point there, um, you know, and I want to elaborate that a, a minute. Um when they do come here illegally, um, then we have the issue of their children. And, you know, and what the question becomes, yes, what do you do? Yes. What do you do? Um, the parent is here illegally. The child is a U.S. citizen. It becomes a huge problem. And, you know, and, and um, now they're in the system and you know, and then we have this whole cycle here again. Go ahead, Deb. I know you were going to say something. No, no, no. I was just listening. I agree a hundred percent. I mean, do I agree to the extent that Trump says no? I mean, obviously, I don't. I really do feel that. I, okay, this this is this is my opinion. I really feel partial to some things that the Obama administration has said. Do I always think that there is bias? Absolutely. It's it's all relative to your political views. And sometimes I don't even know how to identify myself because um, I, I want to say I agree with the whole anchor baby thing. I, I don't like it because, I mean, my, my taxes, for example, I, I live in Hackensack, and my taxes are crazy ridiculous. Why? Because we have a very predominant illegal uh, society established here. Um, many, many people of all different backgrounds of South and Central America have, you know, basically reigned here and they have their children. They have like one in the oven and three, you know, one in the stroller and one in each hand. And it drives me berserk because I think I just hear dollar signs. I hear, that's exactly what I hear coming out of my pocket because they're wasting education, police, fire, everything that tax money pays that their parents, they're here illegally, aren't contributing, you know. So in that sense, I'm very right. But in the sense that Mm -hmm. I'm also very left is, well, what are we going to do for the problem? Because the reason why Congress hasn't agreed to any kind of reform is because they know that once you make that Hispanic uh, demographic legal status, you know you're going to lose all those voters to the Democratic Party. Because they're going to say, oh, you know, the Democrats, they always gave us our visas, our papers, you know, which is, I'll tell you, uh, I know uh, Ruben City's Colombian. Uh, I'm half Colombian. My mother's Colombian. And one of uh, our customers, ironically, he found us. My parents had a business years ago in North Bergen, and he happened to find us here in Hackensack. And it was really funny because he loves Reagan, loves Reagan because he was part of the amnesty process when Reagan passed it. So what, what I'm saying is you're, you're – when you have a, a society that's not educated, which usually the, the, the parents of those children, those anchor babies, aren't. 
because they crossed through Mexico. They went through what Ruben knows what I'm called, what I'm talking about, La Frontera. When they go yeah. through there, you know, mm-hmm. um, you, you're going to have a political ideology that's shaped by whichever uh, official gave them that status, that opportunity to be here. And my thing is, I don't care if it's a Democrat or Republican or an independent. Somebody solved the problem so that they're paying into the system. I don't, I don't care who does it. Just somebody pass it so that they're paying into the system and it's not hurting me as an individual or you or Ruben or anybody else. I don't care who right. does it. It's somebody solved the problem because they're going to get here anyway. The Great Wall of China, it didn't work. The Berlin Wall, it didn't work. So Trump's theory on putting up a wall, it's not going to work. They're going to get through anyway. They dig through tunnels. I promise you when you're poor and you have nothing else to lose, you will become ingenuitive and you will figure out a way to get somewhere for a better opportunity. So just do what Reagan did. Give these people a Social Security number. Give them some type of identification so that they're paying. Right. Right. No, no. And, 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 and I'm with you on that, uh, but but this is the problem that I have. Okay, we, we we may not be able to do anything about the 11 million, 12 million that were here. I'm realistic about that. But we need to secure the border. You cannot continue to say, well, yes, uh, we're going to do that. And then 10 years down, down the line, we still have the same problem again, like we did with, with Reagan. Uh, and, and I agree with you. the border. Hello? Sorry? I don't know I what guess, happened. Uh, did you lose that static? Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Ruben? Oh, so basically, uh, yes. Can you... I, don't, I, don't see, I don't see how we can continue to absorb millions. We're up to 330 million people. We cannot absorb the amount of people. I mean, we have, we have states like California like New York, that are totally, totally gone. They're no longer, they, they, they're, I don't consider them part of the, the, the union anymore because they are so way to the left. Uh, I would say that illegal immigration constitutes uh, half of the population in California now. They control that. I mean, that's, that's 100% true, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to make a joke. Like, you ever heard Salma Hayek, the actress, say, well, technically California belongs to Mexico anyway. You know, that, right. that was just a joke, but go ahead. Uh-huh. Good. I, but but what, I, what, what, I, what most people feel, and, 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 and this is going to be a very, very uh, rude awakening for, for, the, for the Democrats and the rhinos in, in, in politics, because there's so many legal Hispanics that I know that are um, that are basically that we tweet and we're on Facebook. So many legal Hispanics that are, are against illegal immigration that they're going to be shocked. Uh, hold on, we're getting some background here. Um, go ahead. That was that was me. I just opened my window. Sorry about that, guys. Oh, okay. So go ahead. basically, that's um, what 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 I'm saying. What I'm saying is that. There's a, a hell of a lot of Hispanic, legal Hispanics that are very pissed off. I mean, yes, I agree. Well, but go ahead, Dorian. I'm sorry. I was going to say, um, uh, in reference to the anchor babies, um, because now the anchor babies are a U.S. citizen, so they they might be the ones that you know, sort of see what Ruben is saying because, but obviously they're, because not they're the next generation. Their, true, but they're obviously not going to go against their parents because their parents are here illegally. And it would take, let's say, let's say the kid is born today. It's going to take at least 24 years before that kid can get any kind of job that would ask, would buy immigration laws currently, using the laws we have in current practice, um, be able to request their family, and it's based on income. Can you support these people? That's basically what immigration asks whenever you go to a petition for someone. You know, and and you know what? Honestly, I'm not trying to pick on the Hispanics because there are Polish illegals, there are Russian illegals. So, I mean, I'm not saying that it's, you know, and I'm not being a sellout to my own people or anything like that. It's just, it, it has the, like I said, I personally... As a citizen of this country, my parents, you know, are immigrants. My father isn't because he's Puerto Rican, but um, 
technically, I have to say that, you know, it, it's definitely a problem that needs to be addressed. And like I said, irrespective of the party, I just want it to be addressed, you know, because and, and I really think that a, the biggest problem that we have is the lack of bipartisanship in Congress. This is your biggest problem. It's not so, and, and securing the borders is all well and good, but how much securing of the borders can you have and, unless you outright shoot them on the border? I mean, really. Like, well, become, well, they, they've been crossing the Rio Grande. Ruben, have you, have you ever seen that? I mean, it's a toxic river, and they'll jump I, in just to get here. I I I I I've seen that. I've been I I've been on the border. I have I have family that that are border patrol officers. Uh so I'm I'm familiar. I'm aware. I've 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 taken I've taken the the ride on on the Rio Grande to see what's going on because I wanted to see it with my own two eyes. But oh, let's 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 look at what you just said about that, you know, it's hard to control the border and everything. Well, Mexico does a, Mexico does a really good job. Mexico has a, a constitutional immigration law that anyone who abets and, 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 and helps in any way anyone in the country illegal will be imprisoned or be shipped back. Uh, they don't tolerate illegal immigration in Mexico. They don't. And, and we I agree, but they also, don't have, they also don't have the humanitarian rights that we do. Right, but the yeah. problem is that the Mexican government is for the Mexican people. And for the Mexican governments, they, 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 they don't really care what anyone else thinks about. Yeah, but it can't be they, that they, great there if they're all trying to get here. Right, but the thing is that whoever whoever is still over there doesn't. It basically feels good that their government's protecting them from other people coming in and taking their jobs. I mean, when you Sorry. talk about jobs, a big thing for me as far as jobs, I. That's a sore subject for me because, I mean, General Motors and, you know, pretty much any American company has moved a lot of their their uh, sites to Mexico because it's more corporate friendly. So really when you're talking about jobs, I really feel that it's being taken from the American people because we've given way too much slack to corporations as far as safe tax havens. All they need to do is have like two, uh, you know, corporate uh, meetings a year and they're allowed to have these uh, corporate uh, tax-friendly havens where they're, they're not paying as much into the U.S. system. So you're, as, you're far right. as, job, as far as jobs are concerned, I mean, really, there are no – I mean, you're, for example, students. You're telling, you told students back in the 80s and the 90s, well, okay, guys, we don't really have jobs for you here because you don't have an education. So people went and got an education, and now the student deficit is $58 billion. That is the na- that is the national average for you know a, a typical college student. That that's what's happening. And then they get out; they're defaulting on these loans because they don't have any money to pay them because there's no jobs. So I mean, I know what you're saying as far as the Mexican government being a little stricter, but that's also what separates us from almost a practical military power dictatorship. That's why supposedly we have a more humanitarian more, I guess, liberal system that really distinguishes us from, you know, a, a, an authoritative state. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Ruben. I, I I see it I see it differently. Uh I don't see I, I don't see how allowing and having lax border or or being an open border advocate like a lot of the people on the left and some of the um some of the rhinos on the right uh, are. I don't believe that that's the way a country. Once you once you leave, op- you leave your borders open. Forget about your sovereignty. I mean, it's gone. It's gone. You cannot continue to be. Uh, you cannot sustain this influx of people in a country because there's two things that can happen. Uh, and one thing is already happening. We're Almost at twenty trillion dollars in debt. Uh, veterans are out on the streets. With the new budget that Congress and Obama just passed, Social Security, it's going to be cut. It's going to be cut. Well, well from the young people. I mean, economically, well, economically, a country cannot survive. Look at what happened to Rome. Well, it's not. You're absolutely right. It's not sustainable. 
I'm not saying that the way that it is is, you know, is sustainable. And you're talking about cuts. And unfortunately, from an economic perspective, you have to have cuts because you're in so much debt because you have an $18 trillion debt and counting. But the problem is, in order to do what you're saying in securing borders, you're going a third, a third of our money, a third of the United States money goes into uh, military, which would, which would fall into securing borders. Categorically, that's what it would fall into. So you already have a third of the budget going to defense. So you have a third of the budget going into defense, and you're doing cuts on Social Security and veterans' benefits, like you're saying, then you know what? The money's got to come from somewhere. I, and I'm not oh. saying, like, I agree with it, but the money's got to come from somewhere. So in order it to secure the borders more properly, you're, you're going to have to make cuts and you're going to have to make sacrifices, whether they're in the short term or the long term. So in order well, to secure these, you know, you're, you're going into something that's an authoritative state and you're comparing a, a country like Mexico that they do, obviously, a better job at securing their borders, but it's borderline authoritative. And then now you're saying, okay, well, let's increase the security. Well, increasing security also means increasing spending, increasing government well, spending, which is it's, it's, it's astronomical right now. Yeah. We have, the, we, have the, we, we have the tools. We have drones out there that can patrol. I mean, my, 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 my uh, family uh, who, uh, member who, who's on, on, the, on, the, on the border, he tells me that basically – the tools are out there. It's just that this administration does not want to utilize all those tools because they want to encourage. They they need the voters, the people coming across, to become future voters. They want to have people come to this country basically to uh, become part of their party. That may sound I, like I agree. I, I agree with you 100%. They want them to become part of the Democratic vote, which is yeah. the far left, which is allowing them to come in here. 100% agree with you. What I'm saying is, I know you're saying that it's encouraging all this stuff, but okay, so let's say we put in drones. So other than shoot them, what what would be this, the military strategy? What What would the drone do? I mean, other than report it to a person that would make that distinction of, not shooting them because now you know you're 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 crossing a gray area as far as legality and hum, and human rights. So so what do you do? Okay, so it alerts the author, the proper authorities, but I promise you, you're still going to have people falling through the cracks. Well, I'll tell you. I'll give you an example. Hungary, Hungary, Hungary has been using uh, has has put up a a, a, a wall that they they've been building, and they're basically patrolling with drones. And, and the border now is secure. The prime minister, Viktor Orban, will Google search on him. This man is, uh, uh, this guy is someone that, I wish he was the president of the United States. This guy is, you know, he, he, he's going about and saying that he's not going to allow people to invade their country and take over their country and, take, and get away. He believes that, Government isn't has the responsibility to protect their own their people. And well, he, by, by yeah. people, he really was targeting that towards the Arabs that were coming in with the Syrian crisis. You know, he was very adamantly opposed to the um, Syrian refugees coming through. I mean, even their own population was very much against it. So, I mean, I can understand what you're saying, and I can appreciate it. And I want to say I agree 80%. Only because you know it, it, it's a very gray area and a very fine line that you're treading. So, eighty percent of me, you know, the American in me is like, absolutely, this guy's a pioneer. Let's elect somebody like him. But then the twenty percent of me that says, okay, well, you know, are you kind of violating, you know, people's, you know, natural rights, you know, to a better future? I, I just think right, no, no, no. Entire, I just Once think that the call- entire system is broken. Once they step over into the United States, they're breaking the law. They're breaking the law. They don't have, uh, they, well, they're yeah, not that, entitled. They're not entitled to come in without, just like my my family did. They had to wait. If they want to come, they can come, but they have to go through mm-hmm. the process. I, um, I agree, and, and but I've, yeah, and, but you know, if you guys ever been to Ellis Island. 
If, if you yes, haven't, have. you need to go. Yes, I have. Uh, there's so much history there. Um, and that's how the immigrants came before there was airports and, and, and all that other stuff. And in, in Ellis Island, they had a room called, um, it was the Room of Tears. Because back then, they they really were um, strict in following the law. And they um, if you didn't meet the health criteria or you were on some sort of list, you were sent back to the country that you came from. And... Um, and and that's how it was done. And they didn't like to do that. But, you know, it was just... And I, that's what why I, said. I was trying to say this before. Ellis Island is a perfect example. I think that there that there is some validity to continuing a process like that. There should be routine screening. And if you overstay, you know, you should be sought for and say, okay, you know, and I hate to quote Chris Christie because I'm not a fan, but when he says, you know, hey when he made that inappropriate comment as far as FedEx was concerned, there was some validity to that comment, like, okay, hey, where's you know, your number? You're up. You need to go back. You know? So, yes, there is some validity, but, like, honestly, when you start getting into the realm of politics and you start wondering, why are these people coming here? We do act like the world police, and unfortunately, when you have countries of periphery and semi-periphery, you know, it's almost like the system is designed for underdeveloped countries to stay down and powers, economic powers like Europe and the U.S. to stay up. It's, 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 it's well, yeah. well, I, I understand what you're saying, but a lot of the um, people that are coming here are just coming here to, to take advantage of the system and bring the wealth back to their own countries right now. I agree. I agree. Um, it irritates me when they mail it over there and, and they're not spending it here. They sleep 20 in an apartment. They sleep in shifts. They have two, three jobs. They'll leave the economy and then leave. I 100% agree. I am not disagreeing. What I'm saying is if perhaps if the, if the wealth was more shared, and this is a borderline socialistic view, in, and, and I'm much like I want to say I'm more of a uh, – I don't really believe that capitalism is working, but I know socialism obviously doesn't work either. What I'm saying is the way the system is designed is that it's flawed. You're, you're designing a system that you're, for example, the history of Hawaii, the history of Hawaii and how we acquired Hawaii. We literally captured and imprisoned, I can never say this woman's name, Queen, I can never say her name, and it was two businessmen that saw an opportunity in Hawaii. And that's basically the American way. We, we see something we like, and we take it. The Panama Canal, another, another perfect example. I mean, you know, Chile, when I, I'm sure uh, Ruben remembers this. When, when I don't remember specifically which uh, administration did it, but they were leaving. Uh, they were allowing people from Chile to come because of a, a crisis that was happening over there. So really when the U.S. did something to gain economically, is when they'll say, hey, okay, no problem, we're giving you guys amnesty, come here. So it's almost like the system is is flawed because if you're repressing certain countries, like Africa, for example, then you're going to have a problem, and and then you have your problem of, like, the African horn. So, of course, you're going to have these terrorist groups that appeal to these poor people by offering them chis and women because that's how these people are recruiting. They're recruiting them by offering them a better life. Right, but you know, if we had a, if we really had a real president, he would tell the Middle Eastern countries, like I indicated before, <laughs> Saudis, Kuwaitis, listen, you guys have a lot of money. You have I agree. to take all this. As a matter of fact, Saudi Arabia has uh, tents that they can take up to three three million people. Okay, I mean, it's it's yeah. basically basically we are ba- are are getting screwed. Not. Not Obama, not the Democrats. You, me, and everyone American here. Middle class. Yeah, because yeah. you know what's going to happen, especially the future generation, which is you and everyone else, including my son. You are, are the guys who are going to get screwed, and and and, and uh, unless you guys wake up and realize what's happening, yes. and what's going to happen, you guys have and, a very um, good future. Ruben, uh, we're out of time. Deb, we're out of time. 
Um, okay, it was a great yeah, show, Ruben. I yes. really enjoyed talking yes, to you. Yes, it was. Likewise, thank likewise. You, I really appreciate it. I'm very, yeah. I'm very, thank I'm very passionate about it. Very passionate about it. I'd like to thank you, yeah, for for uh, coming on our show, and we're going to have you back. Um, immigration, yes. a great yes, topic, um, yes. and we will definitely work on on some solutions here. Um, one I didn't get a chance to mention, but we will mention it is is electing good politicians, rather Democrat or Republican. Um, and, uh, wow, the time did go by fast. Yes. Um, it, 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 whenever you have an intense, heated discussion, it usually does. We can fix the world, guys, at another time. We just have to get enough people following. Well, Deborah, Deborah, I yes. had a, I had Ruben Navarrete, who's a major uh, CNN, uh, and okay. we had a we had a we had a heated yeah, discussion. Ruben, I gotta cut you. Um, okay. Uh, and All right. folks, we are we'll be on next Tuesday. We're gonna pick up on this topic of immigration, and we're also gonna talk about education, free education, and well, nothing is free. We know that, but um, yeah, we're gonna right. bring up that topic. Um, so, gang, until next Tuesday. Oh, and don't forget, go to studentsforbetterfuture dot com. That's studentsforbetterfuture dot com. And we're out. Good night. Yeah. Uh, Bye.